Hello, Facebook. How are you guys doing today? It's Danya and Brian, and we have a new and special guest. We are looking at and talking with Sharon Morgan, the founder of the great and large Facebook group, Our Black Ancestry. Hey, Sharon, how are you today? Hey, happy Sunday. Happy, happy Sunday. So today we're going to be talking with Sharon. We're going to talk to her about how she, you know, came up with the concept of Our Black Ancestry, what made her do it. And she has this great story as to how she even got started and why she got started in researching and what she did in in order to really go forward in her um, research. Brian, you have anything to say? You're doing a wonderful job. <laughs> I was going to say, do you please carry on? <laughs> okay, well, okay, well, let's just jump right in. Sharon, how are you doing today? I am fine. It's a beautiful Sunday here in Mississippi. The weather is lovely, the sun is shining, and I am making great progress on my research today. That's awesome. That's awesome. I almost forgot my family, they, they, they you know, I called the group our family, our watchers, and they always tell us where they are, where they're coming from, and they're already speaking. So we got Deborah Singleton saying hello, Mary Wright saying hello, Barbara Elam saying hello. Hey, family, Barbara Elam is one of my cousins, so I'm really excited about that. I'm glad she's here to be with us today. So, um, so let's jump right in. Sharon, you you told me how you got started and what you did as far as moving. I would like for you to share that story with everybody because I think that that's just like really awesome that you would do something as, as powerful as that in order to like get to get right into you know your research. Well, I've been doing research for most of my adult life. And as you can see by the color of my hair, that's been a very long life. <laughs> yeah, I decided that I wanted to I I wanted to write a book about the things that I have found about my ancestors here in Mississippi. And since I am now retired from my professional life as a marketing consultant, I decided to come back to the place where she was enslaved so that I could be close to the courthouse and so that I could walk in her footsteps. So I moved to Macon, Mississippi in March of this year. And the research has been so rich and the experience has been so wonderful that I'm really glad that I did this. The book is coming along slowly though, because I get so involved in the research. Sometimes it's hard to get to the writing part, but hopefully that will be, that will be addressed soon because I really have to produce the book. It'll be called The Book of Betty. My ancestress is Betty Wharf Gavin, and she was born in 1839 and taken from her mother and brought to Mississippi as a slave. So wow. it's been very interesting. And then ironically, this is where you know the ancestral voices are with you. The street where I live here, I found out that this is the street that she lived on. And I had no idea that that was true when I came here. Hmm. So huh. things like that have been happening where I know I'm doing the right thing. Wow. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. 
So, okay, so let's get into the Our Black Ancestry. What made you start the Facebook group and, and how did you grow it to like, God, it's almost 35,000 people in that group. I don't know, except to think that people are really interested. I started Our Black Ancestry in 2007. And what I did was I launched a website. This was, Facebook was not as popular as it is now. So the Facebook group came along later. But the website is designed to be a compilation of research, research sources. So that you can go in and if you're researching North Carolina, you go to the North Carolina page and it'll tell you all the different, the different links, links that are related to research there or whatever state or whatever topic. Wow. Okay. Population. It's not like our it's not like ancestry.com. So we don't have the documents. We just have the links. And I decided in 2007 that I had achieved so much with my own research that I wanted to be helpful to other people, in particular black people who are the descendants of people who were enslaved, that I wanted to be able to share what I know with them and help them learn how to do the research and show people that it's possible to do. So wow. I started and just kind of evolved from there. And then when I put the group up on Facebook, people just started joining. And now it's like, wow, there are 35,000 people. So it proves what I thought was true. And that is that African-Americans are very interested in researching their family histories. And I don't think that the existing platforms are really serving us. So if you go to Ancestry.com, you'll get overwhelmed with the results that you get back, but they will not necessarily apply to you. And it's hard to figure out how. And you have to wade through so much stuff. So our Black Ancestry is designed to be something that will take you directly there so that you don't have to cull through a lot of things that might be irrelevant to you. That's awesome. And you're right. It doesn't apply to us. Brian, what were you going to say? Nope, you kind of beat me to it. Um, and again, it's, it's kind of a theme that we see in a lot of the kind of what I call melanated Americans trying to research their, their family history is, I guess, what's perceived as, you know, what, what the big genealogy websites would perceive as best practice. <clears throat> we can't, a lot of us can't do our research that way. You know, up to 1870, absolutely. Um, the same as anyone else. But again, if you're trying to research, when you get, when you get past color, the 1870, it's a whole different set of a whole different research parameters. Right. Exactly, and I would actually say whether your ancestors were enslaved or free people of color, it's a very different kind of research journey. Um, it's yeah. a very different kind of research skill set. Um, and the thing that I love about our Black ancestry is the fact that you have so many different experience levels more experienced genealogists, moderately experienced genealogists, are all, they just seem to be happy to jump in and help. You just get a really, a really strong sense of, there's a community. There is a community yeah. out there that, that's trying to help and support and encourage each other. And that's exactly what I wanted it to be because this is a very, at the time that I started doing it, it's a really lonely thing to do. People in your family are like, oh, what are you doing? <laughs> My uncle used to say, you just like digging up dead people. But then they get very excited when you find something. 
So being able to collaborate with others and have people answer questions. I mean, when they can't read a death certificate and they'll put it up on the on the Our Black Ancestry page and somebody will help them. You know, so it's, I think that it is very much a community and very much a collaboration. I don't know everything. And there are a lot of people in the page where they know and they, you know, they can answer a challenge. And that has been really helpful to me, too. Well, actually, you kind of touch on a very interesting point, because, again, a lot of us, especially our ancestors who are coming out of the South, I can't really speak about um, Black or mixed-raced ancestors in the North. So, you know, this is going to be kind of pertaining to the South. Trying to speak to my grandmother and my great-grandparents about their experience and about family history coming out of Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, they didn't want to talk about it. They, you know, for them, that was a past that they just wanted to forget, didn't want to discuss. And I think that some, you know, sometimes that, that cultural hurdle is something that perhaps a majority European person wouldn't quite understand. Because you know, they're, they're hungry to find out what their, what their past is. Um, but we know that our past with our ancestors is filled with a lot of, a lot of pain. Yeah. And, that, that's, you know, and that's a hard thing to convince an older family member um, you know, to, to talk to them, to be respectful of their feelings. Um, and I've seen a lot of, a couple of posts on Our Black Ancestry that kind of deal with that and people giving each other advice. And again, I, I, I found that quite helpful. That's well, absolutely I, I, true. Go ahead. And one of the things, that's true, that was true in my family. I'm sure it's true in a lot of people's families. One of the things that I have learned because of training that I've had in trauma awareness. Slavery was an historic trauma. Mm. So we are, all the generations succeeding are traumatized. And the way that you get over the trauma is that you have to confront it. So even those very ugly things, you have to look at those things, you have to confront them. And, and that sets you on a path to being able to heal. And I really believe the genealogy is a tool that can enable us to heal. We ended up with racism as the legacy that, that has lasted beyond slavery. And I think the only way that that's gonna be addressed in the end is by engaging in things like this, like the genealogical research and being able to collaborate and being able to confront that horror and then being able to emerge as a stronger person. You know, one of the things that I like about the Our Black Ancestry page is that I feel like it was like a jump off for a lot of other genealogy pages. Um, yes. <laughs> I'm, not say, I, I'm not sure if, for example, one of our page, there's um, a page called Home Place that, that focused specifically on Edgefield, South Carolina. Um, then there's the African-American genealogy form and there's genealogy just acts, you know, everybody started making these groups and everything. And I really feel like, and I may be wrong, but I feel like it was a jump off for other genealogy groups to really start getting there, to get into their groove and, and try to figure stuff, stuff out. But the main thing that I like about our black ancestry is that every genealogist has its specialty have their specialty and their specialty is where their family is from. So, I mean, if I had to say I specialize somewhere in South Carolina, Brian specializes in Virginia and South Carolina, you know, um, 
Although I don't know everything about South Carolina, I'm I'm pretty knowledgeable. <laughs> you know, I'm very knowledgeable about South Carolina. You have a whole bunch of knowledge on Mississippi and on our Black ancestry. When you have all these different people having all of this different information from all these different places, that is awesome. That means that no matter where you're researching that, somebody can give you some type of insight, which was what the find a grave, for example, that's what find a grave was set up for. Find a grave was set up so that people could go take pictures at different um, grave sites and then post them up. And if you needed help, they had a sign, uh, they have a, a, a link that states this, you know, you need somebody to take pictures at a site. They have people that will actually go and take pictures. So right. this type of community for on our Black ancestry for people who already have a problem with researching their family because they don't know how to research past the 18, before the 1870 census. And you just made it possible for 35,000 people to be able to really talk and go back and forth and share what they found and 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 people being excited about what you know about different things. So I I, I love that about that. And I think it, it, it definitely sets the tone for a lot of these other genealogy Facebook groups that are around. I don't know any that have 35,000. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I belong to ones that are specific to the areas where I research. So there's a page for Knoxville County, Mississippi. And there, there's a different conversation that happens there. And it's a much smaller group. But what I wanted for our Black ancestry was to be exactly that. Genealogists sometimes look down on other people because they want you to be so professional, so by the book, so, um, what can I say? Uh, they're kind of arrogant about what they do. And for African-American people, we can't afford that. It's like we have to do start wherever you are and you learn as you go. And we should be willing to help each other. And we should be able to ask questions and not feel like you're stupid. Mm. You know, so nothing is stupid. Any question that you ask and the fact that everybody jumps in, that really means a lot because then everybody learns something. Because like you said, there's the experienced genealogist there and there's the novice person who this is the first time that they've ever looked at a birth certificate. Right, right. I, I really yeah. like that. It's democratic and it's very, it covers all ages, you know, all situations. So um, tell us more about the Black, Our Black Ancestry website. I'm about to put that, that up. And then you can, you know, tell us more about that. Okay, it's a membership site. It costs $25 a year. Like I said, it is a compendium of links that guide you to be able to do the research. So when you go into the page, part of parts of the website are public, so they're free. When you become a member, you get access to a lot more content. And I ended up making privatizing it because members asked me to do that. You can put in your DNA. There's a DNA database in there. So there are about 6,000 people who have entered their DNA coordinates, their GED match numbers. So you can match there. There's a surname list so that you have a list of surnames, locations, and people who are researching those surnames. 
and so you can connect and it'll give you the, how to contact the researcher. So there are several thousand of those. And like I said, we made it private because I was requested to make it private. And the reason there's a membership fee is because I have to pay for this and I'm not a wealthy person. I had wanted to be more robust and to be sort of more like our, like ancestry.com, but I just never had the resources to build it to that point. But it's that it serves its need and people are, have, I have not had a lot of complaints about, you know, what we put up there. It is limited to what I as an individual person can do. So I load as much stuff as I can as often as I can. Wow. So as always, we always have um, members who get online and they make little com they make comments and things of that nature. Um, so we have Gaynell Banks Brady. She she wants to thank you for sharing your passion. And then um, then there's Grace Miller, who's from New Jersey. And as always, our Karen Bertram, who's from Denmark. That's our Denmark family. She's Denmark. Denmark. Yes, yes. Karen oh. is from Denmark. And we are always welcoming her. She's always right. She's she's a regular. Gaynell says she believes there is a history keeper in every family. And then Karen said collaboration and sharing is so essential. It is a shame more people don't get involved. She says, I think you are right when you say their pain makes it difficult for them to learn the truth. It's sad. So <clears throat> now, I mean, just letting you know, they ask questions. So you guys, if you want to ask questions, you already know, let's, you know, get your questions ready for her because I'm quite sure she is open and ready to go. So, Brian, you, you ask the next question. Okay, so um, what it, it's a question that I like to ask a lot of our guests. Uh, in your opinion, what advice, would, what advice do you like to give or normally give a newbie to intermediate level genealogy, genealogist, just in terms of tips and tricks of how they can do their research, how they can do it more effectively? For an intermediate genealogist? Uh, either for a beginner or, or an intermediate? The, well, for the beginner, I, there are two things that I would say. One is that there's a tutorial on the Our Black Ancestry website, so you can actually read this tutorial, and it is meant for people who are novices. Okay. You have to start with yourself, take your time, and don't get distracted because it is so easy. As both of you know, you can get so distracted. It's like make a put a focus on I am searching this family line and be very specific and meticulously go step by step backwards and just don't get caught up in the, Oh, wow. I found all this stuff. It's like, just try to have a game plan. And for the intermediate person, I would say you have to expand your horizons of what you are looking for. So the, Website ancestry has made you feel has made people feel like you pushed a button and there's your family history. It does not work that way. Mm. African Americans in particular, it does not work that way because our records, like the Freedmen's records, which have only recently in the last year and a half started going online, you used to have to go to NARA and read every page, and now that is being addressed, but people ignore that as a resource because it was so hard to get to. 
And there are a lot of items like that. Like you, we may not find who we're looking for on find a grave. We won't find in a, we won't find obituaries in newspapers. We'll find them in a funeral program. So you for, you have to expand your horizons and look at places where you might not immediately think to go to. Right. That's right. So yeah, I was looking at the website while you were talking and it says, you know, it tells you what you're going to find in the public space of the website and what you're going to find as a member. And just for those who are, you know, just logging in or just watching the show and you're a new um, researcher, the tutorial is the public. And then you get access to the Facebook page and she also has relevant um, African-American genealogy form, um, videos that on YouTube that she links to. And she has a blog. That blog has research techniques and things of that nature and where she does meetups and, and, and special offers and things. And also being able to buy actual you know, merchandise that's relevant to genealogy researchers. So the now the member space says member profiles, resources, slaveholders, connections and forms. So when you say member profiles, what what is actually showing up? Cuz we have one person, Grace Miller is actually a member of OBA and she says she's getting ready to, you know, add her dead match number to the site. So when you you a profile, it's just like any other profile that you do like for Facebook. You, it'll be your name, your location, your contact information. Uh, the DNA facility, I'm working with a developer now so it can be automatic. Right now, you have to go into the database for the, for the surnames or for the DNA and enter it manually there because it does not work automatically yet. The service that I can afford, I've not been able to afford having to be more automated. Right. Uh, if you fill in a profile... And then you will be able to see other people who are members who may be researching your name and you'll be able to get into the DNA database and enter your information and you can get into the surname database. And the Facebook page is free, but kind of the way that I think about it is like it's worth twenty five dollars a year if you don't do anything but participate on the Facebook page, because Mm. a huge amount of effort goes into Every day I get hundreds. I see everything that is posted on the page. And yeah, that takes actually how much is the um is the to join the website? The website is $25 a year. And people pay $200 a year to be to join Ancestry. Hmm. So I'm thinking everybody can afford $2, $25 a year is like $2 a month. That's half a cup of coffee. And uh, just for because if I can if I can get the finances together, I'll be able to pay people to help me manage all of this. So, and it's, yeah. funny. I mean, it's, it's, it's really neat that the amount that you're asking for is such a little amount, and and it, and um, it could pay for the site itself. The amount yeah. if you could get those same thirty five thousand people to actually just start paying that yearly amount, it could pay for the site. Um, I would be able to afford the technology to be right up there with Ancestry.com, but for African Americans. If wow. 35,000 people joined at $25 a year, that is more than a million dollars. And then I could afford, I could hire the technology team that could build this out. Hmm. So when you 
come up with an answer for how I can do that, I would love to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put my thinking cap on. But okay, we, good. <laughs> but while we're talking about the, the Facebook group, one of the things that I really appreciate and um, absolutely respect is a very, very well-moderated group. So yeah. uh, I, appreci I appreciate that. Um, and I noticed that all of the moderators, if you know anyone's posting anything that's not specific to OBA, um, you know, if it's political or whatever, it's immediately jumped on and dealt with. When we started, we had a problem because people were not understanding what genealogy is. And they were posting all kinds of things that had absolutely nothing to do with genealogy. So we have been very specific about this page is about genealogy. I'm, because I now have these volunteer administrators, each person takes a day and they are responsible for that day. If a member reports content that is inappropriate or off topic, just off of that one report, we delete them. We delete the post, we do not delete the person. And that has helped us be very focused and for it to be a good, I, I, there are days when I just enjoy looking at the page and going through all the things that people have put up. Like I said, all the posts come across my desk. But I mean, I take days when I really study what's up there. And it is kind of amazing that the amount of knowledge and information. Yeah, it is. Go ahead, Brian. I was also going to say the other thing that I really appreciate, and Donia touched on this a little bit, is the diversity of the people who participate on the within the Facebook group. Because I forget that slavery existed in Arkansas and Missouri. Because I'm so right. focused on my own ancestry in, in the deep south, I totally forget. So whenever, you know, it happens occasionally, I'll see someone will post something, I'm looking for more information about someone in Arkansas or Kentucky or Tennessee or Missouri. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. They, they were slaveholding states. And I'm sure that they have their own kind of different sets of records and slightly different ways of having to do their research. So again, I think it's just an invaluable site because it really is kind of a, the history of slavery in the United States. There are a lot of people that are from the Caribbean. There are a lot of people that are from the UK yep. and they're looking like we are. And you, ha I had a, a post that came up today. Somebody wanted to know how to do research in Sierra Leone. So it is, it, it is a much, you have someone here today who's from Denmark, people all over the world really are interested. We did a marketing survey before I set before I put the first website online in 2007, I did a marketing study to see how many people are interested and what kind of information are they interested in. And I did it during Black History Month and in 28 days I got 7,000 responses where everybody down to a person really wanted to have a website like this. So I very much feel like we're meeting a need and it is not limited to the physical boundaries of the United States. And again, through genealogy adventures, what I got a sense of almost immediately was there was such a hunger for how to do genealogical research, especially if you're you know, a melanated American, um, no matter how, how you kind of self-classify with with within that parameter. Um, and I was both kind of blown away and, and very humbled, humbled by that, but also excited because that meant that there were a lot of people <clears throat> who were very hungry about advice or learning from other people's knowledge 
about how to, you know, just how to do the nuts and bolts research. I remember someone commenting on a post that um, I had done really early on in genealogy adventures. They were trying very hard to apply best practice as deemed by the Sons of the American Revolution, Daughters of the American Revolution, all of the kind of white heritage societies. And as I said, you, as a, as specifically as Black people, we can do that to a point to 1870. And then after that, you come. Uh, you know, and again, it's like giving people advice about how to work with DNA as well as working with the paper trail. Um, and I'd love you to talk a little bit about the, the, the genetic genealogy, genealogy side of things. Because again, I think with newbies, there's a perception that somehow miraculously their DNA test is going to answer all of their questions. And that is a lie. <laughs> <laughs> no, kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I would urge anybody who is interested in DNA to read the book, The Social Life of DNA by Alondra Nelson. It explains the over-the-counter DNA tests, what they can and cannot do, and how you really have to think about this because it it is not the answer. At some point, you still have to do the old-fashioned research where you connect people on paper, you connect and document. Brian, something you said a minute ago about what we're looking for, I think we're not genealogists because it is a study of your family tree. They get very focused on the name, the date, the place. You need that information. But what we really want, and especially as African-Americans, We want to know the stories. We want to reconstruct the people. We want to have more depth than just a name, a date, and a place. We want to know what were the conditions on the plantation? Mm. What was the owner like? What What kind of hardships did people go through? You know, and to get a picture of these unknown people who dreamed us that we would come one day. And we honor them by finding their stories so that you know the name, but you know something about their lives. That was the point I was making about coming to Mississippi and living here and walking in my ancestors' footsteps. Because the feeling, there's a, a lot more feeling and healing that, ha- that can happen with that. So you don't want to just document from one person to the begets. You want to be able to tell a person's story. Which right. is a powerful thing, because again, that that's prompting my move from New England down to Virginia, um, where the absolute oldest, most ancient part of my American heritage actually sits. But you did a very nice segue, because I was going to say, researching those those stories and turning a name into a three-dimensional person who lived and breathed and loved and ate and hated and had loved and, and whatnot, is what I love about Donya's book. And it's what I loved about your book. Donya, I didn't know if you want to take um, the opportunity to introduce uh, Sharon's book. Yes, Sharon's book is called Gather at the Table. And um, here's the, the link to it. Um, basically, her book just, you know, really talks about racism, violence, and injustice. And it's just, a, it's an awesome book. And I think you guys really should definitely try to pick it up, learn more about it, you know, 
here's the link so you can definitely go and purchase it because this is something that you know we all need to talk about. Uh oh, I lost her. Oh shoot, we lost her. There she is. Hold on, guys. There you are. <laughs> we disappeared for a minute there. Oh, you worried me. But before you go into talking about, you know, before we go into talking about your book, Karen Bertram actually had a question. And she said, an acquaintance um, several years ago got frustrated at not finding much on Ancestry's website about African-Americans. He finally just went to their headquarters and found a ton of info, making the trip worthwhile. He was told there is much not yet put online for various reasons. I know more is available these days. My question is, is it still worth making such a trip? Yes, it is still worth making the trip. And there's yes, there's a lot of information that is not yet online. Uh, but here are two ways around that. One of them is that well, I can jump in what you can get a lot of the same information. Um, I live for the day where such a trip uh -oh. wouldn't have to be necessary. And actually, Karen, thank you. That's that's a good question. It actually prompted a question I wanted to ask Donia and Sharon. I've noticed within the last couple of months, when I was using Ancestry previously, those 1850 and 1860s slave judgments were popping up for anyone who was um, an enslaver. Um, but lately, there I am not seeing them. I'm actually having to go into those slave censuses and then do a search for have you, have either of you noticed um, that there, that those two specific censuses? You have to manually. Can you hear me? Hello. Can you hear her? I can hear no, you all. No, I can't all. hear her. Okay. Hello. I can hear you, Sharon. Um, you can hear me. Yeah, I can, but Brian can't. Brian, can you log out and log back in? Because that sure. might be what happened. And then you can answer his question when he when he comes back. Okay. Okay, go ahead, Brian. Let's give him um, a few minutes. And uh, while we're waiting for Brian to come back in, um, Grace Miller feels you need to bring the fee up. <laughs> I told you people to pay 25 hours. <laughs> you gotta get the 25 in. Yeah, but she, she's like, yeah. I'm thinking about taking it down to 10, maybe then people would do it. If you drop it to 10. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm definitely, I, I didn't even know that you had it. Oh God, Brian, Brian is, is not logging back in. Shoot. Oh, there he is. But I didn't even know that it was like that. Like I'm, I'm going to join this month for certain, for sure. Um, I, I didn't know. Brian, can, Sharon, say something. See if Brian can hear you. Can you hear me now? Oh, I can hear you now. Sounds like okay. a Verizon commercial. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, are we gonna go so back go and ahead. answer that? Yeah, go ahead to answer what he was saying. We have said a couple of times that you still have to do the old-fashioned research, and a couple of ways around. Well, let me start with this. Yes, there are many records that Ancestry has that have not gone online. There is an alternative to Ancestry, and that is FamilySearch.org. Yes, it is. FamilySearch has, is free. 
and it has many of the same records. The site is harder to negotiate, but if you don't have the money to belong to Ancestry, it is a very good alternative. And I have often found things that I have not found on Ancestry on Family Search. They are getting ready to do <coughs> a very large project. Oh, excuse me. <coughs> They're constantly adding records, so you have to keep looking. The other is to Brian's comment, I am noticing that <clears throat> when you go to Ancestry for African-American things, you have to search specifically for a thing. So instead of just entering census, you have to go in to enter in your Google line, 1850 slave schedule. And then it will pull up the, the facility for you, say, what, what county <clears throat> and what location. And that has worked more successfully because you get a million results if you just type in a census. And you have to keep scrolling through all those pages until you get to one that you want. Mm. So just put in specifically like 1850 slave schedule ancestry.com. And that page, that segment will come up. But I've and noticed a lot of other things. Mm -hmm. I've noticed though um, what Brian was saying because sometimes even when you go and you type in in the member search area, the cat the card catalog area, or or what have you, um, and you type in the name, if you don't have the exact name of the um, the document or the the what am I what am I trying to say the the stuff that you're trying to to pull up, it won't show up. I've had that. When you make it fuzzy, too many things show up. Right. Right. So and it's like, I get a million, uh, seriously, I mean, like hundreds of pages of results. And I cannot sit here and look through all those pages. So, what I have started doing is when I'm looking for someone in a census, I will try doing that first and I will do it and be as specific as possible. I will look through maybe two pages of results to see if what I want is there. Failing that, I will go directly to the census because you have to do this in the end anyway. Go to the census like the 1870 census for Lowndes County, Alabama, Hainville District and read every page of the census. And I would rather do that and have gotten better results that way than just by putting in those universal research, universal uh, search requests. Well, you know, that sounds just like when it first, when the census record first comes out and it's not quite, um, you know, uh, what, what is the word I'm looking for? When it's not quite done, broken up yet, and you just got right. to, I remember when the 1940 census came out and I literally had to go through every single page that was online because it hadn't been, what, what is the word? Uh, oh, uh, not, not indexed, but I know what you mean. Right. Yeah, but that's what I'm talking about. But yeah, I remember doing that. So basically, that's what you're saying, doing. But I want to tell you something real quick. Well, that's really hard. Like, if you're in a place like Chicago, you have a million names you have to look through. So that's right. A but when you're going back into the past, the number of people reduces. So yeah. If you're looking in 1870 in Lowndes County, Alabama, there mm -hmm. weren't but maybe a thousand people there. So you can do that. 
Yeah, and you can do that in a couple hours when you get really good at it. Yeah. Well, let me let you know. Um, after Grace, after I shared the comment for Grace Miller where she said, I think you should increase the fee. $25 is not enough. Uh, we got a whole bunch of people saying, don't raise the price. Well, Mary Wright, she said, don't raise the price yet. I'm on a limited income. And then Karen Bertram, she says, I know what my Christmas gift will be. So it sounds like you got another member coming on. Um, Barbara Elam, uh, oh, she said that, Brian, you were going in and out, but I think we fixed that. And then another one of our regulars, Harold Locke, he said he's also going to pay the $25. Um, because he said it's doable, you know, he's and he's right. It is a doable amount. And Grace Miller said it is indexed. So my my thing is, is what I'm trying to get at is that I, I really, really like the fact that talking about the Facebook group very quickly and the, the actual website, how you are able to pull everybody in black, white, Native American, they're all right there. Even though it, it's called our black ancestry, you're actually helping everyone. And, and well, I, the DNA of the human race comes from Africa. So if we say our black ancestry, that pretty much covers everybody everywhere. How about that? So tell us more about your book. Let's let's segue back into your book. Okay, so my book, the full title is Gather at the Table, The Healing Journey of a Daughter of Slavery and a Son of the Slave Trade. And what I did was in the course of doing my genealogical research, I came across this group called Coming to the Table. And they had, they are in Harrisonburg, Virginia at Eastern Mennonite University. And they had come up with a model for healing historic harm. Slavery is an historic harm. I met a person there, my co-author, Tom DeWolf, and we decided that we were going to test this model for healing historic harm and write about it. So we made a map based on our personal genealogies. His ancestors were the largest slave traders in American history. They were based in Bristol, Rhode Island. My ancestors, of course, were enslaved. But we made this map. So we went to visit his ancestral places. So we went to Rhode Island and Iowa and a lot of very white places. And then we went to my places, which are largely African-American. And we wanted to see one big thing was he is a white man. I'm a black woman. If we're seeing the same thing at the same time, how are we reacting to it? So we drove like 6,000 miles in a 30-day period going to all these places, some of which made me very angry, some of which made me very sad, some of which uh, were just incomprehensibly awful. Coming out on the other end, it actually was very helpful experience because it's what I was saying about confronting the trauma. You have to confront it before you can get over it. So, I feel like I'm a much better, stronger person. And we outline that process in the book, Gather at the Table. So y'all don't have to get in a car and drive 6,000 miles in 30 days. You can just share the experience that we had. And that, and hopefully that will be helpful to you. So it won the Phyllis Wheatley Award at the Harlem Book Festival in the year it was published, which was 2012. <clears throat> and uh, it has been 
we continue to go around to places like universities and do book readings and talks and residencies and workshops based on this healing historic harms model. Wow. Because I guess what I, as we were, as I was I'm mentioning before the show started, was I, I personally found the experience of meeting my white DNA cousins um, hugely transformative, um, mostly positive, almost, almost all po positive. And I guess what I would wish is that Americans would get over their fear. <clears throat> um, I guess stop with the perception of othering because it, is, it can be, as I said, a, a hugely transformative experience to do it. And it is part of the healing process. And I get, you know, the first time you step on an ancestral plantation and you're looking at the slave cabins, and even though that might not have been the cabin that your ancestors were in, you really do get a sense of the history and kind of what, what that was all about. As you're finding out their kind of uh, family history stories, it, it's just a very visceral way of, of putting it all into context. Um, and as the old saying goes, you, you know, the only thing that we need to fear is fear itself. You know, by breaking down those barriers, by having those conversations, um, I, I just think it, um, it, it kind of, it just strengthens us. Well, in the group coming to the table, it is interesting because it is a mixed group of people. So it's black and white people. And the white people are descendants of slaveholding families. And the original idea was to be able to unite the descendants of the slaveholder with the descendants of the people they enslaved. And that coming together of people has been really interesting because it may seem counterintuitive that that would have any therapeutic value, but it does because we have never had anybody to confront, to talk to us who's interested in healing. So it, everybody who's been involved with coming to the table has, has found that same thing. Whether you're black or white or whatever, they, this coming together has really made a difference in their lives. What white people don't realize is that we get to a point, if your ancestors were enslaved, we get to a point where we need you. We need your records. Yes. Instead of you being ashamed and you won't show them to anybody, you need to be engaging with us researchers and mm -hmm. sharing what you have because you you hold the key to us knowing who we are. Mm -hmm. And there was so much mix up of slave masters having children with the women that they enslaved and then their names are obscured and you can't figure out who they are and we don't have their DNA to make comparisons and prove the paternity. It is only by this collaborating with each other that we're gonna be able to figure that out. So we really do have to stop being afraid of that and start embracing it. I am very sad that people kind of say, well, why did you call it our black ancestry? Okay, because we're black and what's wrong with that? You know, it's just like, well, you better, what should I call it? The, you know, the red, white, and blue ancestry? No, we have unique challenges and we need to address those. And it is not meant to be exclusive I appreciate it is a very mixed group of people. Once they understand, there is nothing wrong with identifying it as our black ancestry, because it is. But you can be a part of that too. That's right. That's yeah, right. They, they have as much information to share as anyone else does. And to yeah. actually give an illustration of just, even though we have a long way to go, we have a ways to go. We have come, 
come a certain way. Because when my siblings and I visited Monticello two years ago, now you cast your mind back, you know, back to Thomas Jefferson and, and Sally Hemings. Now, their children were never openly acknowledged as his. Even though they looked like him, everyone knew that he was the father. They were never openly acknowledged. We were actually acknowledged as family members. So we had a level of acknowledgement that Sally Hemings' children never had in their lifetime. Um, right. And that, that, you know, that really kind of hit me in a very profound, in a very profound way. Um, so we have come far. We have a long way to go, though. Yes, we do. I think that the most amazing thing about, I, I think the most amazing thing about all of what you were just saying is that it is so very true that we have to collaborate with each other in order to get this information, in order to know what we know. But you got so many people that not are just afraid that just, I don't know if they're afraid or or why they don't want to know that they actually do have African-Americans or Native Americans or Jamaican Americans or what have you as their family. You know, they, they, it's like they don't want to know. They're afraid of it. We have so, not afraid of it. They don't care. You know, I mean, I have several times and Brian and I share a, um, a, uh, a, a time where one person just came out and just said, oh, I, I don't have black people in my family. But then you turn around and you research my family because you knew that that was your family from the beginning. And, and you go and you start looking us up and you smile in my face when you meet me as if you didn't make that comment to me. Now, because I am the type of woman that I am, I don't hold back on stuff. But I had other people to pull me back and say, no, don't say nothing. Don't say nothing. Like, that's not what you said when you was on the phone with me. You literally told me that you have no black people in your family. And now you're sitting here screaming, oh, I have had an interesting experience with someone that I met online because we were both researching the same surname in the same location. And we agreed that we would share information. So I sent a huge amount of information about the white side of the family to this person. And he sent back, and this is the old days where we mailed this stuff in the post office. He sent back this big binder of material. And he said, well, these records are for you because these are black people. And I said, whoa, okay. It turned out that he was a descendant of the same ancestors, the black woman that I am here writing a book about. <laughs> and talk about being surprised. What's next? <laughs> pass this office. These are yours because this is the black people. Okay, wow. so it was very interesting. And we ended up collaborating and we ended up, his part of the family had passed. He did not realize that he was black in any way. And I'm a living person who has all the proof so I can show you exactly how we are related. Yes, sir. The only instance of that. I mean, what happens is that to be black is bad. So you don't want to have black blood. You want to have white blood. Mm. Because blood is red. <laughs> okay, so it's a false construct. But that is the society in which we live. But I would also say, what do to them what they did to us? Mm. 
And I think that there's just this deep down visceral feeling of, wow, what are these people going to do? Because slavery was something in which everyone participated mm. and the complicity is incredible. So I think that they are, they are aware that this is a crime against humanity. And of course, you don't want to be guilty for that. And you don't know what the victim is going to do to you. Exactly. And I would say on the, the other side of that is because normally in terms of researching uh, our Black ancestors, we have to do it in very indirect routes, looking at probate records, other yeah. documents where their names appear, where I get a lot of appreciation from people who descend from, and I'll call them poor white people who were living in the Appalachians, you know, really early into Kentucky, Tennessee, and Ohio. They're like, well, our ancestors were poor. They were illiterate. There was no courthouse. There was no church. There was no physical place for their births and deaths to be documented. But they said, follow, you know, following genealogy adventures, <clears throat> listening to you and Donnie and kind of talk about your research strategies, and listening to other Black people talk about their research strategies, you've actually given us different ways, very non-traditional ways, to really dig into our family history and try to find our ancestors in a very indirect route. And I think yeah. that that's something that's, that people perhaps do. Even though you, one of the reasons for my moving to Mississippi and I'm within walking distance of the courthouse, this courthouse has records back to the founding of the county. So it can get back to 1833, but they're not online. Only some of it is online. Right. Now it's like I have there. I my research has been so enriched by me physically being here that the court clerk was like, "Now you know you're here every day. I'm not gonna pay you, okay? Because I'm paying you." Was like, "No, ma'am. I'm just here to look look up something." But you have to, and you will find you. You must read everything. You must be very meticulous. And as they as they say, the truth is out there. Yes, it and is. You'll you find it. Yes, it is. So all the people who died before eighteen sixty five, because those wills were such a gold mine. Yes, that it is. It's incredible. It's like you almost. I get angry when I find one where doggone it, he died in eighteen seventy. So I don't have a list of his slaves. Yes. Yeah, so we have some more messages. Um, Barbara Elam says she will be joining LBA this week. Um, then Tanya McCoy said Sharon Morgan is amazing in all caps. And she says, thank you, Brian and Donya. You both are amazing as well. I'm so glad we made it in. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, no I'm, just, I'm just joking, Tanya. Thank you so much. And she says, I'm grateful for the groundwork set by all of you. It gives me hope in breaking down my brick walls. I call his name. Travel to the town where my family says he's from. And each and and each this group drops a few and each time this group drops a few nuggets. It helps me to get closer to finding him. Thank you. That's awesome. That that's really really awesome. And Deborah Singleton just joined. She just joined. So you now have a new, you know, a new member. And that's awesome. I'm so glad she did that. And I mean, $25 a year, you really can't, you can't beat that um, at all. It, it's, I mean, you just can't beat that. 
one of the reasons why Brian is, is do, Brian and I are doing what we're doing this year, this season on this show is about highlighting the genealogy that's not talked about. So it's yeah. not just black ancestry, it's Jewish ancestry, it's um Caribbean, you know, ancestry. It's Native American. We're trying to actually get a Native American chief up on our on our show. We're hoping we can get him. I haven't heard from him yet. But you know, we're really just trying to search this out to start people to get people rec to recognize that it is not the same all the way across. You're not going to go on Ancestry, type in a name like they show, and all of your life is just going to show up in front of you. It's just not going to happen that way, and it specifically does not happen like that for those minority researchers. And we want to do it this way because we know that we have a lot of white backers and it's through them that they can then give their information and let people know, look, we need to start helping these people. If we're really about what we say we are about, then we need to start going and, and giving the and paperwork that we do. That's why we had the interview with Beyond Ken because Beyond Ken allows you to get that information anonymously. You ain't gotta say, you ain't even gotta say who you are. You could just pop that information right up in there and it's and it's done and it's there for you. You know, this is why we talk to this is why Brian and I are doing the um the ancestry, our personal DNA, our personal DNA project at Howard University. Howard University mm -hmm. is gonna help us just, you know, really point out how we're all connected, how we're all related. The more we do stuff like this, the better that people can see that racism is just here because they want it to be, not because it has to be. You know what I'm saying? So this has just really um, been a, a great show. Now, Tanya McCoy, wait, I have two messages. Um, Barbara Elam said, I just had an encounter with four to five distant cousins who stated to me we were not related but wanted access to my tree. I told him DNA does not lie. <laughs> well, Don, Donnie and I have experienced that one. The, the, person that, the person that Donnie was mentioning, and she really did say that she's not related to black people. I'm like, well, you have half the black population of Edgefield, South Carolina she as did. your DNA cousins on she your did. DNA cousin list. Yeah. <laughs> he came straight out and said I don't have black people in my family and when she said that to me and then Brian told me he had, he was going to have a conversation with her I let him know I said be careful because she's going to say that and then the next thing you know she comes back and she says to Brian comes back to me and he said oh my god Donya she said exactly what you said she was going to say I don't have black people in my family and took it a step further with him and said that they got the DNA wrong. Yep. That's what several of the Jefferson family said about the Hemings DNA. Yeah. It is only recently that that has been resolved. And there are still several of them who believe that the DNA did not come from Thomas Jefferson. It must have come from his brother or a son or somebody else. It's just crazy how they say so that. The DNA does not lie. <laughs> so they just have to get used to it. But again, right. for, you know, for me, that was just such an easy thing to come back to. It's like, well, okay, if you don't have any black people in your family, why are you showing us my fifth, 
my fourth DNA cousin. Right, exactly. Yeah. Why do we share? Why do we share this many central organs and SNPs across this many chromosomes if you don't have black people? But it's that the same way. thing we were talking about earlier. Why do people? Why are they so resistant to anything that is black? And that it is sometimes I'm going to use this word as a pun that we have been so denigrated that they it is just the lowest thing to be so you don't want to be black of course i'm not related to you right from an awful point of view i have I a question in terms with all the white people that i found it's like i don't want to be related to them but i am so I, you know it's like there's nothing that i can do about it except try to resolve this you know this genealogical challenge and deal with it i think i have a partial answer for that question and if you've grown up from a very young age hearing about how X times great grandpa was a settler of this county or was a Confederate hero or whatever the story is, that, that ancestor, those ancestors were placed on a pedestal. And I think sometimes, you know, it's human nature. We only want to see the best from our ancestors. So if all of a sudden you have, you know, melanated Americans saying, um, yeah, I'm not taking anything away from the stories you were told about your grandfather, but he was doing some side business because he had at least one child, if not more, um, from that side business, and I'm living proof of it. Um, I think that makes people very uncomfortable. I think they think we're trying to challenge them about the narrative of the story that, they're, that they've been told. To a degree, we are. But we're not, we're not actually, at least not, okay, I can only speak from my, my perception. I've never done it. I've only ever denigrated one person over it because the story behind, behind the siring of that line was so horrific. And I, I mm. you know, and I still struggle with that story involving a twelve. <laughs> no. um, but it's, it's only, it was only, only ever that one time. Honor more. My heart more goes out to my ancestors who had, my heart goes more out to the ancestors who had 17 children with the nephew of her master. That I feel more for her than I feel for that man who fathered those 17 children who went off and fought in the Civil War to keep her enslaved. Okay, so getting this all in perspective is what we're talking about here. People do bad things, they do good things. But I think that we're honoring the wrong thing. I think that our ancestors survived incredible hardship. And, and if they had not done that, I would not be here. You would, none of us would be here. Nope. Right. So then, my deep thing, honor and respect goes to them. And the other thing is this, you have some who were in, who were enslavers who were not quote unquote bad enslavers. You had them, they were, you know, because my my Yeldale family was um they were given skilled jobs. They were taught to be able to take care of themselves. They were taught how to read. They were taught how to write. But this was because that was the kind of people that they were. It was, I think they, I don't know. It was just the kind of people that they were. And so you it's not that all slave owners were bad like that but just like we go and we do our research and we start to learn about the area and learn about what was going on in that time it gives us a picture of our family that's the same thing that's going on with yours so how do you go and you 
do your research on your family and miss or skip that part. That's like that's just crazy to me. You miss and skip. You go yeah, past. You, you have to look at the whole picture. That is absolutely yeah. true. The whole but thing. I kind of disagree with you. There are no good slaveholders. I think whatever yeah. techniques that they use, I hear what you're saying, and I and I believe I understand what you mean, which is not a bad thing. And stealing their labor right. is a very bad thing from the exactly. get-go. Okay, so no matter how you managed it, good you kept families together, you know, good you did certain things operating within that system, but that system should not have existed. No, it shouldn't have. No, I, I definitely agree with that. But we have some more comments. So Barbara Elam. Um, no, not Barbara. I'm sorry. Wrong one. I read that one. Tanya McCoy said, I will be joining. If we can give Ancestry $20 a month or $50 for six months, we can join OBA. Then yes. Grace, <laughs> now Grace Miller asked the question about the Howard University Project. So I'm going to come back to that because Karen says racism is here because people want to control resources and the group which controls the most are white folks. Sorry, this is not a political forum, but this is why people won't admit their origins. They don't want to be an other, which is why I love science and DNA, which does not lie in all caps. Then we have Grace Miller. She says, I have a lot of DNA matches that Asheville, South Carolina ancestor. Oh God. But I don't know the connection. But my <laughs> is the great-grandfather from Spartanburg. And then Kim Cook says, thank you for this discussion. My ancestors did this. I'd be more proud to be into all of you. So now we're going to go back to Grace Miller. Grace Miller asks, how can I join the project with the Howard University? Well, Brian, you want to answer that? Oh, this is your baby. Mostly your baby, so. Okay. <laughs> Well, the Howard University Project, the way you can get into that is by having um, connections through Edgefield. Since you said that you already have connections through that 96, which is Spartanburg, South Carolina, um, you can be in the project. And basically, because uh, it's, it's actually what we're trying to do is either prove that all of Edgefield or back to its beginnings, the 96th district, was all related, black, white, Native American. Didn't matter what you were, we believed that everybody was related. And Howard University is helping us prove that. Uh, Grace, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna put up here the email address and anybody can do it. If you are, if you find that you have connections to Edgefield, South Carolina, the email address where you can send your DNA to is DNA Memorial Fund at gmail.com. And it is at that particular, um, oops, it went away. Oh, dang. It's not showing up. Okay, I'm gonna have to put it in the comments, but we're gonna put all of the links and everything in the comments. But the email address is DNA Memorial Fund at gmail.com. And basically, what you're gonna do is send that to us. Once we get the consent forms and everything back, because things are moving very slowly with Howard University, but it is moving along and we've got some um, stuff done so far. But once we get the consent forms and everything, we're going to send a consent form out to you and you'll be able to sign that consent form. Once that consent form is signed, your DNA will be sent to Howard University. The, in, 
the great thing about this is that not only do we did we incorporate a HBCU, we incorporated what is considered a um, Ivy League HBCU, and our DNA is going to be used as teaching tools for the kids that are going in now. So we're trying to just really trying to include African-Americans in their own story because we've always been taken out of it. We, you know, we're not, we're just not in our own story, our own life. We don't know. So this is a way of doing that. And that's what we're trying to do. So the, again, it is DNA Memorial Fund at gmail.com. We will receive it. And as soon as we get, uh, Soon as soon as the consent forms are available, we will send the consent forms out. You sign them, and then you go to. Uh, we'll send it off. So now we have two more things, and then the show is good. God, it's five oh nine. Barbara Elam put up Grace. We could be related. I have Edgefield roots. <laughs> so the thing is that we are related. I I I don't care what nobody say. Edgefield, the whole county is related. <laughs> Actually, uh, Donia, to answer, because Mary Wright asked the question, how far back, which basically we're going to the foundation of the foundation of the Carolinas. What, it was 17 something, what year was it again? 1969 is when the 96th district was um, formed, but the Carolinas themselves, when they were broken up, they were, before it was broken up, that was like in 1710. But we're going back to when the 96th district was formed, which is 1769, and that could be fifth and seventh cousins and eighth cousins and distant cousins. It doesn't matter. We we want we have everybody who's participating. We have white, we have black. Um, I think I have a couple of Hispanic people that have sent their DNA in through Sheila, who is the reason why this all got started. And um, yeah, so please, by all means, Mary, if you have a connection to Edgefield, send it in or the 96th district send it in because it 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 it's what we need to do and and I'm I'm just I love it but Sharon this has been such a great great interview I'm I'm loving it I love it so is there any last thoughts you want to give out as far as your book or the website or you know the the Facebook page I have enjoyed it too and I just want to close by encouraging everybody, join the website. <laughs> join, the, join the website for $25 a year. Join the Facebook page for free. Even if I never update the website, being on that Facebook page is worth $25 a year. Okay? So our Black Ancestry, I look forward to seeing you on one of those platforms. This has been a very pleasant experience. It proves what I've always believed about how interested people really are in knowing this. We are the dream. Our ancestors dreamed of us and that is what enabled them to survive what they did. So we need to honor them by looking at the past and the sacrifices they made. And that's all I have to say on that subject. Uh, thank, you, thank you very much for that. Um, and before we start to wrap things up, does anyone have any last minute questions for um, for Sharon? Oh, here we go. Oh, thank you, Barbara. Uh, Barbara Eela McLeod said that she learned quite a lot today, so that's always good to hear. Good. 
Um, Karen Bertram says that she she says, thank you all. I will join it, Sharon. She's going to join. That's awesome, too. So, you know, you're going to get some new people. You're going to get some new people. And that, that's what this is about. It's about letting people know what's out there for all, you know, researchers. Brian, are you going to talk about the next show? Oh, um, and of course, I've just lost my page on that one. It is the 2nd of December, and we're going to talk about Barriers to People of Color Joining Lineage Societies. Um, oh, that'll be interesting. Well, again, because I, I'm kind of going through something. I'm going through something with the Sons of the American Revolution at the moment. As I said, I, I, I'm in a weird position because I'm a direct descendant of Patrick Henry, revolutionary, give me liberty, give me death guy. Yeah. Now, I've, my line has been officially recognized by the Henry family. They, you know, they've seen the DNA, they get it, it's wonderful. The Sons of the American Revolution will not recognize the DNA result. So the family recognizes it, fine with it, Sons of the American Revolution won't. So perhaps talking about strategies and, and ways that people, have, you know, communities of color who have Revolutionary War ancestors um, can work with lineage societies to kind of get over this hurdle. I think Daughters of the American Revolution Dottie can probably speak a little, well, she'll speak a lot more about it um, on the second. Um, they do um, work with DNA, so they're slightly different, but things like the Jamestown Society, from which I'm descended from, they won't recognize my DNA results. Sons of the American Revolution won't. And there are a lot of people of color who want to join. Um, I think it's a bit of a loss for them. And that's I, where you think the paper research, because that is what they accept. And I have someone in my family who has made a habit of joining every possible society because he wanted to prove here's a black person that can do this and that should be in all of these societies. Unfortunately for Ooh, me, except I only have two enslavers at the moment who openly acknowledged their mulatto children as being theirs. All of my mm -hmm. other ones, I've only been able to identify them through DNA. Uh, me and the, the ge uh, genetic genealogy team with Genealogy Adventures, we had mm -hmm. to use the DNA to do it. Um, mm -hmm. Like I said, uh, so that will be the, the topic of the, the 2nd of December, 4 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. All right, I'll be here. All right, guys. Well, we are getting ready to shut the show down. And Brian did make a statement about the Daughters of the American Revolution. And yes, they do look at the DNA. However, through the Daughters of the American Revolution, when they look at the DNA, it still has to come through a male line. So take me, for example. I can be a daughter, but I can't be a daughter because my DNA is through a woman, an enslaved woman. So they can't take the DNA from her they ha it has to be through a male, a male. So I therefore I can't be. But they're still working, and that's the thing about daughters. Let me let me be clear. They are truly working to try to make sure that it is totally inclusive. So they're trying. They're they're new with the DNA stuff, and they're really trying to work that through. And um, I can I can say that because I work there. And they are really trying to work that through. And um, I, I'm kind of proud of that. So, yes, you guys, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Harold. He said, excellent show. Um, Clarissa Chambers, she said, enjoy today's show. Tuned in from Texas. 
Um, Mary Wright, she's she's like, thank you. If I didn't watch this program, I would. So you know, it. She said, I wouldn't know all of this information. So thank you so much. She said, as a newbie, it is it is important, and it is. And I'm so glad that um you are able to you know tune in and make sure you tune in. And please, guys, please share this show with other people. We come on every first and third Sunday of every month. And we've actually extended our season. We'll be, you know, putting up a, a whole list very soon. But you know, share the show. Let's get it out there. Let's get the information out there to others. And and thanks a lot. So we'll see so, you guys in December 2nd. See you on the second. Enjoy your holidays. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.